Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Scripture Survey with Levi and Matthew Miller, where we use the Scripture to survey our prospects for the future. Hold on, it's going to be a wild ride. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the program. It's good to be with you tonight as we begin a new series. I'm going to be doing this with my son, Levi. Levi just picked a chapter, and we're going to dive into it and just give it a survey, give it an overview, see what it is we can see in this chapter. So, Levi, why don't you describe which chapter it is that you picked and why you thought it was important to do this? I picked... Um... Ezekiel 33, and the reason being is that we don't know much about this watchman and who who the, these watchmen were and what they were, and if there still are watchmen, maybe. I don't know. I want to kind of dig in there and find out about this and why the watchmen had certain duties at certain things he had to perform and what he was commanded to do brought up a lot of questions to me. Well, that's that's one thing for sure. This this chapter, it, it is an enigma, no doubt about it. Uh, for one, it mentions an epitaph that only Christ ascribed to himself. So that makes it stand up and stand out in its exclusiveness. But then when you get into the – there's not a whole lot of meat there. There's not a whole lot of uh, uh, of really tying into other chapters or other events. So I most certainly agree with you uh, that this chapter needs a survey done over it because you really can't find any other uh, text that can help you out with this, Any any commentaries really. Uh, they just say the standard dogma. There's nothing really here. This is all about the watchmen and the people that either are warned or are not warned by him. When mm, that's not what I see when I take a look at it. So well, I can see where confusion sets in because, um, I mean, to me and you, we see it as a prophecy, but, um, um. Uh, on verse 21, it continues with the, the rest of the story. But um, with with what was happening in Israel at the time. But the beginning of 33 seemed like something else. Seemed like a prophecy. Well, because it's in the book of Ezekiel, uh, there's no questions about that. It must be prophecy. It must be. Because a lot of people think that – well, we have to understand that there's two basic uh, eschatology uh, bandwagons you can get on today. That's either history, all prophecy was written and fulfilled in the past, or futuristic, all prophecy is written and is about the future, which is absolutely incorrect. We know from the book of Ecclesiastes that God says that time is isochronal. Therefore, prophecy is nothing more than a merry-go-round, and 
when an event happens, it's just once around the ride. Uh, we can see this with the slaughter of the innocents. Uh, we can see this uh, with the destruction uh, of the temple. Multiple times this happened, and God said very plainly that what was happening was he was chasing what had been, because there's nothing new under the sun to him. So, with that in mind, uh, let's take a read of it. Let's, let's give an overview of it, and uh, what translation are you going to be reading from, Levi? The NASB. All right, very good. That's a, that's a pretty good translation, and let me just remind everybody... You need to get a translation, not a paraphrase. There's a whopping big difference. So uh, the KJV, uh, the New King James, the New American Standard Bible, the English Standard Version, anything that is actually a translation of the text is what you need to get a hold of, and that's what's important. So that sounds like a pretty good translation to run with. So Levi, take it away. And the word of the Lord came to be saying, Son of man. Speak to the sons of your people and say to them, If I bring a sword upon a land, and the people of the land take one man from among them, and make him their watchman, and he sees the sword coming upon the land, and blows on the trumpet and warns the people, then he who hears the sound of the trumpet does not take warning, and the sword comes and takes him away. His blood will be on his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet, but did not take warning. His blood will be on himself. But had he taken the warning, he would have delivered his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, and the people are not warned, and a sword comes and takes a person from them, he is taken away in his iniquity. But his blood I require from the watchman's hand. Now as for you, son of man, I have appointed you a watchman for the house of Israel, so you will hear a message from my mouth, and I give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you will surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked man from his way, that the wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I require from your hand. But if you, on your part, warn a wicked man to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, he will die in his iniquity. But you have delivered your life. Now as for you, son of man, say to the house of Israel, Thus you have spoken, saying, Surely our transgressions and our sins are upon us, and we are rotting away in them. How, then, can we survive? Say to them, As I live, declares the Lord God, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back. Turn back from your evil ways. Why then will you die, O house of Israel? And you, son of man, say to your fellow citizens, The righteous of the righteous man will not deliver him in the day of his transgression. And as for the wickedness of the wicked, 
he will not stumble because of it in the day when he turns from his wickedness, whereas a righteous man will not be able to live by his righteousness on the day when he commits sin. When I say to the righteous, he will surely live, and he so trusts in his righteousness that he, commit, that he commits iniquity, none of his righteous deeds will be remembered. But in the same iniquity of his which he has committed, he will die. But when I say to the wicked, you will surely die, and he turns from his sin and practices justice and righteousness, if a wicked man restores pledge, pays back what he has taken by robbery, walks by the statutes which ensures life without committing iniquity, he shall surely live, he shall not die. None of his sins that he has committed be remembered against him. He has practiced justice and righteousness. He shall surely live. Yet your fellow citizens say, The way of the Lord is not right, when it is their own way that is not right. When the righteous turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, then he shall surely die in it. But when the wicked turns from his wickedness, and practices justice and righteousness, he will live by them. Yet you say, the way of the Lord is not right, O house of Israel. I will judge each of you according to his ways. And that is where we end on verse 20. So you didn't want to finish reading the whole chapter? Oh, <laughs> oh, um, well, this is where he um, talks to um, this is where, um, basically, because this, this is, uh, the, the next verse is on a different day. That's right. So, I, I just wanted to, I just wanted to cover this until that, that, um, the whole prophecy, I guess, was said. Alright, well, what's the first thing that stands out to you, Levi, about this, uh, about this watchman. Well, the first thing that stands out to me that I am questioning is why the Lord requires the blood by the watchman's hand. And if this is a punishment of the watchman or of the person who died. Well, Levi, you're, you're missing something very detrimental. Um, at the end of the prophecy... He made himself pretty clear that there's no such thing as once saved, always saved, correct? Right. Exactly. And the individual would die for an individual's iniquity, right? Right. We have something else entirely different here at play. Okay, because we have to come to grips with this, you and I, and I'm going to get ready to blow your mind off right now. But it is clear... It is clear here that – well, let me read just one verse here, verse 4. Then he hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning, and a sword comes and takes him away. His blood will be on his own head. What's the problem here, Levi? Mm -hmm. 
Ladies and gentlemen, come to grips with this. Thou shalt not kill. That's what I was thinking. Why is not the person that does the killing, why aren't they ascribed this sin of murder? They're the guilty ones, ladies and gentlemen. Now, you're all probably scrambling right now, reaching for your commentaries and doing Google searches for it. You're not going to find well, it. Well, well, that's the thing. I I didn't know exactly what the sword is that they're talking about. I was, wasn't assuming immediately that that was another person. I was assuming that the sword had something to do with, I don't know, like a... I don't know, like some sort of prophecy. I'm not sure what the sword is. And that's kind of what I want to figure out. Well, Levi, let's take a look at this. It has everything to do with the sound of the trumpet, right? Um, oh, I guess I didn't... Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. Okay, the, the, the very next verse, son. He heard the sound of the trumpet. Mm-hmm. This must be in direct relation to... The trumpets at the end time. That's what I was thinking when I first heard it, I guess. Of course it does. But my question is, what what is the sword then? Well, uh, the sword, if we go take a look and realize the instigating factors of what's going on in the book of Revelation when the uh, trumpets begin to sound, uh, that's pretty important for everybody to take a look at uh, because it is – well, it's after a series of prophecies. No doubt about it. You have uh, the scene in heaven. You you have all these instigating factors that come in after the, well, sixth seal event. And it starts into the trumpets. And those trumpets have many agents. Uh, let's just read the first one. Or uh, let's, let's read the seventh one. How about that? Yeah, let's do that. Let's go to the last one. Let's go to Revelation chapter 8. When the Lamb broke the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. So in this instance, this sword is the seven bowls of wrath, as described uh, by most people. So, when you start backing up and you go to uh, Revelation chapter 5, you finish off the seals, and you see this instigating happens again. You see, well, everything coming into play. You see everything starting to happen. The, this, this interlude that happens between the seals and the trumpets. You have to... It, you have to come to grips, ladies and gentlemen, that he is not talking about individuals. And these swords are the judgments of the trumpets. Here, let's take a look at uh, verse 21 in chapter 8. The fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun and a third of the moon and a third of the stars were struck so that a third of them would be darkened for the day and would not shine for the third of it and the night in the same way. Then I looked and I heard an eagle flying in midheaven saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth because of the remaining blast of the trumpet. 
and to three angels who are about to sound. That's why in Ezekiel, Levi, it's not – it doesn't say the murderer. It doesn't mention any person. It just says the sword or the judgment as reckoned uh, as reckoned in the text. I mean that's exactly why he mentions this, and it's got everything to do with the trumpets. He's trying to tell you this, that from the instigation of the sounding of the trumpets… Everybody's on a different page, and this is the time when we get the two witnesses. Ladies and gentlemen, the two witnesses aren't there for the seven seals. They're there for, yes, the trumpets. Now, we've done got into more than anybody else has probably even realized was going on, that this is really about what is going to go on after the great day of Hugh sitteth upon the throne. After the tribulation trigger has been tripped, well, by a sword in of itself, the Assyrian false prophet. And this puts everything into a different game because he's told you this even about prayer. He said, uh, you know, there's chapters that says during this time, during this event, he won't hear your prayer in the midst of many, you know, floodwaters. And now you see during this time that the once saved, always saved mantra is not going to cut it. He made himself perfectly clear. And this is only the case in this time, Levi. Levi, just you have to realize that a thousand years ago, nobody would dare even say that you could practice iniquity and enter the kingdom of heaven. They'd laugh at you. Now... That's the standard dogma, and this is a direct warning, and this is why nobody wants to cover, uh, well, Ezekiel 33. They just don't want to talk about it. They don't want to deal with it. They say this is a pretty cool chapter, and just walk away. Well. But your thoughts? Well, um, the question still comes uh, – to my mind, though, um, um, like in verse 6, um, at the end it says, But his blood I require from the watchman's hand. Is that, what is that? Is that like a ceremony or what, or some sort of, what is that? That, um, the watchman that the Lord would require blood from the watchman's hand, that that doesn't mean murder, does it? It doesn't mean to kill. What does it mean? Well, let's, let's take a look at what happens to the two witnesses, Levi. Let's, let's take a look at that. You know that during this event that's being described, there's going to be two witnesses. That's what the entire chapter 11 of uh, Revelation is about. And let's read verse – well, let's read uh, – let's read from that chapter – oh, let's go to verse 9. Uh, These from the peoples and tribes and tongues and nations will look at their dead bodies for three and a half days and will not permit their dead bodies to be laid in a tomb. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and celebrate 
and they will send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented those who dwelt on the earth. And after three and a half days, the breath of life came from God into them, and they stood on their feet, and great fear fell upon those who were watching them. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Come up here. Then they went up into heaven, and the cloud and their enemies watched them. So, Levi, as you can tell from what happens with the two witnesses that's during this time that the beast kills, this is why they come back to life, because, because they had indeed done the job of the watchman. They had indeed warned. And of course, you realize what they're warning of, Levi. During this time, they're going to be telling everybody not to take that mark of the beast. You realize that is a choice, right, Levi? All right. I mean, if you're out in the outer darkness during this time, you have a choice. Now, it's your choice to either take the mark of the beast or beheaded, correct? Correct. And that's what the two witnesses do. And that's why the entire... So the two witnesses are the watchmen. Is that what you're saying? Exactamundo. So, so at what point would the watchmen need, um, need to require blood from someone? Need to give... I don't know. I'm still pondering on what that means, I guess. All right, which verse in particular are you wondering about? Uh, the one I just read? Well, it says it, I know it says it several times, uh, but but I'm looking at verse 6. It says, but if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, and the people are not warned, a sword comes and takes a person from them. He is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require from the watchman's hand. So let me explain here. It's saying that if the watchman fails to blow the trumpet, he fails to warn the people of of um of the sword that is coming, and someone dies because of this, then the watch and and he dies, of course, the watchman is to take his blood well. You take note, Levi, that why isn't the watchman getting killed? Exactly. That's that's is I I was thinking, is it shameful? Is it is it a is it an act of shame to present the blood that you spilt before the Lord or what is it? Well, the point being is Levi is that in this instance the sword is obviously not gonna kill the watchman. Right. The watchman's not going to be... That's why Revelation chapter 11, verse 7 says, And when they finish their testimony, the beast who comes up out of the abyss will make war with them and overcome them and kill them. People cannot kill them, Levi. He's expecting you to see that. I mean, the verse you just read technically doesn't make any sense because... Let's... let's Read verse 6 again. Let's see here. Let me get down here. 3. Okay. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet and the people are not warned 
and the sword comes and takes a person from them. Levi, why isn't the sword able to touch the watchman himself? Because of, look, for thousands of years, this is how war was carried out. Of course, the people sounding the warning and the people that were defending the city, they got killed first. Duh. And that's why I'm saying this whole chapter is like a splinter in my mind's eye. Nobody talks about this. Why doesn't the sword kill the watch? That should be the watchman's punishment, right? Right. You see, Levi, in the context, in the time, why does the watchman give warning? The watchman gives warning so the people that defend the city can come to arms, correct? Correct. They can defend themselves. Or they can hide. Or they... That never comes up in Ezekiel 33, Levi. Never comes up. It never comes up, and that's the reason. Because he's he's setting this up so that in the future, when you continue reading the Bible, you know you're going to run across two watchmen that people can't kill. They're untouchable. This is ex illicitly why Revelation chapter 11 says that the beast from the abyss which is the scapegoat, that's who kills them, a fallen angel, not men, because men can't do it. So, so, so if you don't see that throughout this text, you're, you're 20 miles off the mark. You have no idea why he's saying these things. And that's why it stuck out to you. You're like, well, wait a minute. Why is the blood on the watchman's hands? Well, shouldn't it be on the person who's doing the killing? But it's not. It's not, Levi. This sword, this mechanism, it's a tool. I mean, that's what a sword is, a tool. It's not responsible for the blood it spills. And that should have got everybody's attention. Why is the watchman to blame? Because he didn't warn the people. So why doesn't he die? <laughs> because yeah. it doesn't matter if he warned him or not. He did not commit murder, did no. he? That's because God is wanting you to wait and keep searching until you get the information about these two prophets that can't be killed by the sword. That answer to that question is only found in Revelation chapter 11. Well, here's Here's another point that I noticed is that there are that there must be multiple watchmen obviously in this this text because it says okay I'll read tw I'll read verse two and verse seven and see if you can notice the difference. Son of man, speak to the sons of your people and say to them, if I bring a sword upon a land. And the people of the land take one man from among them and make him their watchman. That's verse two. Where he's, where he's basically telling him to, to, uh, make a, a watchman. And, um, or appoint a watchman. This must mean that he's a, that he is a, a citizen. Now in verse seven, it says, Now as for you, son of man, I have appointed you a watchman for the house of Israel. 
So you will hear a message from my mouth and give them warning from me. So the Son of Man has his own watchman, which the Father appointed to him. So you've brought out a very good point, Levi. One of these watchmen is going to be from the house of Israel. They're going to be Jewish, correct? That's what you're trying to say. Yeah. And the other one is obviously not. He's obviously going to be what? He's gone. A Gentile. Other than. Well, I was going to explain this. It's just that well, you beat me to well, the punch. Well, here's, here's the thing. In, in verse 2, it says that the Son of Man will appoint his own. Verse 7, mm -hmm. but that watchman is already appointed for it. That's right. So there can be no doubt there's multiple watchmen, correct? correct. There's two. Or maybe there's two in the time of the revelation. In the final manifestation of this, yes. In the final time. And he just pointed it out to you, and you just happened to catch it. And why nobody else does is well beyond me. So, let's, let's talk about this, Levi. There in verse 2, um, when you understand that the Hebrew language, it never had Arabic numerals. It never had one ABCs and one, two, threes. It is alphanumerics. Every single letter is a number. And it's hard for most people to come to grips with in that second verse is the alphanumerical equation 1,260. That's the time frame we're talking about here. The 1,260 days, the time, time and a half time, the 42 months. It's staring you right in the face in the text. So we have to realize that now that you've come to two grips with, um, this is obviously talking uh, a whole lot more than anybody has afore realized. The next stanza, Levi, you realize that the dates, the times, everything it's talking about is quite key critical. Because it goes from this vision to giving you a specific time of the year. True. It does. So... One should realize that at the very least, during the date that which it's talking about, ladies and gentlemen, you better be looking up. You better be keeping these things to your heart because, like I already stated at the beginning of this program, God himself states that he chases after what has been. And he's about to tell you what was during this fold of time. Well, here, let, let me... uh. I, I just now noticed something. It's almost like 33 begins halfway in the day of Z. Because 32 tells what what is the last um, verse that we see the day in. And 21 is when they start a new day. So that means that 33 happens in the same day as 32, but only halfway to 20. So this this prophecy 
would have been told to Ezekiel in the twelfth year, in the twelfth month, on the first month. So. Yeah, that's, yeah, I see what you're saying. So are we going to read the second part or what? Um, well, that's, that's, that's what I'm, I'm trying, what I'm trying to get at here is, um, maybe the second part is a completely different, well, I, I know it does mention the Son of Man in the second part. Yes, it so, does. Yeah, I'll read the, I'll read 21. All right. Now, in the twelfth year of our exile, on the fifth of the tenth month, the refugees from Israel came to me, saying, The city has been taken. Now the hand of the Lord had been upon me in the evening, before the refugees came, and he opened my mouth at the time they came to me in the morning. So my mouth was opened, and I was no longer speechless. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, they who live in these waste places in the land of Israel are saying, Abraham was only one, yet he possessed the land. So to us who are many, the land has been given as possession. Therefore say to them, Thus says the Lord God, You eat meat with the blood in it. Lift up your eyes to your idols as you shed blood. Should you then possess the land? You rely on your sword, you commit abominations, and each of you defiles his neighbor's wife. Should you then possess the land? Thus you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God, As I live, surely those who are in the waste places will fall by the sword. And whoever is in the open field, I will give to the beasts to be devoured. And those who are in the strongholds and in the caves will die of pestilence. I will make the land a desolation and a waste, and the pride of her power will cease, and the mountains of Israel will be desolate, so that no one will pass through. Then they will know that I am the Lord, when I make the land a desolation and a waste because of their abominations which they have committed. But as for you, son of man, your fellow citizens who walk walls and in the doorways of the houses speak to one another, each to his brother, saying, Come now and hear this message is which comes forth from the Lord. They come to you as people come and sit before you as my people and hear your words. They do not do them, for they do the lustful desires expressed by their mouth, and their heart goes after their gain. Behold, you are to them like a sensual song by one 
who has a beautiful voice and plays well on an instrument. They hear your words, they do not practice them. So when it comes to pass, as surely it will, then they will know that a prophet has been in their midst. You know, the one thing that stands out to me about, well, the sword here, is Revelation chapter 13, verse 10. If anyone is destined to captivity, to captivity he goes. If anyone kills with the sword, with the sword he must be killed. Here is the perseverance and the faith of the saints. You know, Levi, he just gave you a pretty good context of what's going to be going on during the tribulation. Yes. Um, here it says that um, even though the Lord came to Ezekiel saying this thing, it's speaking to the Son of Man. So a lot of people would get confused with that in where it says that. It says, because in verse 23 is about where I could see the confusion coming in. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, and then 24 goes on to say, Son of Man, reiterating um, the word that the Lord spoke to um, Ezekiel. You're exactly but, correct. It's but he's not like, speaking to Ezekiel, he's speaking to the Son of Man. Right. Yes. This is a very important point that everybody gets through their skull. What Levi just said is exactly correct. Ezekiel happened to hear what God the Father said to the Son of Man. See, he clearly says, I just opened my mouth. He wasn't speaking to me. That's right. He clearly that, That's clearly what's stated here. Also, I noticed... Um, I noticed... Um, but as for you, son of man, your fellow citizens who talk about you by the walls and in the doorways of the houses, speaking to one another, each to his brother, saying, Come now and hear what the message is which comes forth from the Lord. So, here in verse 30, I'm wondering what the doorways of the houses and the walls are what this means. Well, that's a pretty good question, seems how the time frame, doesn't it? Because after the great day of he who sitteth upon the throne, there's not going to be anything left standing. I wonder if it's talking about the, the wailing wall. I'm not sure. Well, that's a, that's a good place to start, Levi. But he's telling you doorways of the houses... And by the walls, he doesn't mention there's a roof over the house, no. does he? He's literally wanting you to see that you're talking about, um, well, like a house might look after a tornado. Exactly. I mean, we know what happened with Samson, right? How did he uh, kill the most people that he ever uh, put to death? Was in that temple. What did he do to kill all those people? That. Rough down on their head. That's right. The walls and the gates, the doors were still standing. He brought the roof down on them. Mm -hmm. So, so um, it kind of gives you 
you, you can kind of picture what they're talking about by the human's basic instinct of fear. You will naturally try to find a hiding place when there's danger, but the only thing you'll be able to hide behind is a wall or a door because, you know, what's, what's coming after you is coming from above. It's not coming from behind you or in front of you. You can't escape it that way. No, and a door and a wall is what you would hide behind, correct? Correct. That's that's what he's trying to point out to you. Look, this is why Revelation makes it perfectly clear what happens uh, on the great day of he who sitteth upon the throne. Okay? It tells you – look, I, I want you to listen for the same context, all right? Revelation chapter 6, verse 15. Then the kings of the earth, the great men, the commanders, the rich, the strong, and every slave, and every free man – hid themselves where, Levi? In the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They're trying to get something over their head. Uh, yeah, that's, that's funny. Um, we have this uh, song in choir that we're doing that has a verse in it, and it's, well, it's supposed to be a gospel song, but it has a voice in there, run to the rock. And every single time I Seeing that that verse, that's what I think of. I think of uh, them calling out to the rocks to hide them, and that's what they're saying in that song. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good context. Yeah, there, I don't know, but I'm just like, you know, I kind of, I don't know. It's kind of what I think in my mind, but. Also, in this context, I just think about those who hear the word of the Lord and they just they just don't act on it. And that's 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 kind of what this this uh, these verses where they aim. This is where they're um, this is who they're targeting is those people specifically who hear the word of the Lord and they glorify it and they're like like you hear this good Christian song and you're like, oh that's that's pretty cool and then you don't think about what it means and you don't act on it. So um you're victimizing yourself. That's exactly correct. You're victimizing yourself. Because all all that is to you is a, if if all that is to you is a song, then you know Really, I mean, when you sing it and uh, you don't sing it to the Lord or you just sing it to glorify yourself, it just makes it noise. That's all. That's all God really hears is noise. Because without um, love or without um, sanctification, I don't... I, I I think it's just all ruckus to it. And I think he kind of gets tired of that. That, um, I don't know, like, the Beatles once said that um, they were, um, that they were going to get so popular that people would forget about 
they would stop worshiping God because the Bible would would be a thing of the past. That clearly never happened, but um, I think too much of that has been circulating around the media, and people have just it's just come to the point where people are are uh, ignorant of of what God is trying to tell them. I mean, because cause when they hear the watchman's voice, um, that, that's what they hear. They hear rambling because they don't see the love. They don't see the thing that God is trying to do for them by warning them um, what their transgressions will do to them and what their iniquity will bring upon their own head. Well, that's... I think that I think that uh, that's one thing that God really can't stand or has has dealt with for a long time is people who think that they are more glorifying than God. So, well, I'd have to agree with you. I mean, that's how First Corinthians chapter thirteen starts out. If I speak with the tongues of men and and of angels, but do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. That's exactly what you're describing. Exactly. And in these end times, there will be there will be a, a, a new song. There will be a song that will um, I believe that will make them forget all their noise and their ruckus because as I've heard you say before um, there will come a time when all of them will know what is right and what is wrong they will see the truth so they will know they will see that they're um, they will see their ruckus that they've created and they will be ashamed of it well, there's no doubt about it. That's exactly what uh, well, we we talked about. We had family church the other night on what exactly that new song is going to be like when uh, when the Lord gets involved. I'll read it. I'm not going to give the scripture text, uh, but uh, I'll read it. And uh, well, it says exactly what Levi just stated. Actually, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing His praise. From the end of the earth, you who go down to the sea, and all that is in it, you islands and those who dwell on them, let the wilderness and its cities lift up their voices, their settlements where Kedar inhabitants, let the inhabitants of Silas sing aloud, let them shout for joy from the tops of the mountains, let them give glory to the Lord and declare his praise in the coastlands, the Lord will go forth like a warrior. He will arouse his zeal like a man of war. He will utter a shout. Yes, he will raise the war cry. He will prevail against his enemies. Next verse. I have kept silent for a long time. I have kept still and restrained myself. Now, like a woman in labor, I will groan. I will both grasp and pant. I will lay waste the mountains and the hills and wither all their vegetation. 
I will make the rivers into coastlands and dry up the ponds. I will lead the blind by the way they do not know. In paths they do not know, I will guide them. I will make darkness into light before them and rugged places in the plains. These are the things I will do, and I will not leave them undone. I could go on, but there's no reason to. But the Lord your God just told you that he was well fed up with it. And when he does this event, he just explained to you, well, what's going to happen to the earth, by the way. But, Levi, that's exactly what you were describing. I mean, even though you didn't have a chapter and verse for it, what you assumed was going to happen is exactly what is going to happen. And that was the Lord your God talking. That was not a prophet or a watchman. That was directly quoting from God himself. Mm. So, you have it right on time and right on target, that's for sure, so... Let's wrap this up, Levi. What's your what's your closing comments? Do you think that we gave a pretty good overview of Ezekiel 33? Yes, I I believe we touched on things that people may have passed that people don't really um, look at much, and um, I don't know. I just kind of I just kind of wait for the day that. They do heed the watchman's warning, and um, I guess I pray for um, I pray for um, those who are, you know, ignorant. I guess that they will see that they will hear the watchman the the watchman's warning in the final days even though there are there are many people now who um who really don't care i mean let's be honest there are people who profess to be christians but they don't they don't care what god says because in their their heart of hearts they've accepted deep down that god is real or that there's, or, you know, whatever. They just don't want to hear the word of the Lord. They, they, uh, consumed with selfish love. So. Well, Ezekiel did describe that. Um, he described their, their lust and their gain. He described them both, what they were going after, what they were doing. Yes. So. Counter opposites of, love of God. Yes. That's right. That's exactly correct. Well, I had a bang, Levi. This was good stuff. So are we going to try to get together and do this once a week or what? Yeah. I mean, I have enough... I should have enough time on my hands for once a week. So, yeah. All right. Well, Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back at it as soon as Levi comes up with another chapter, because it doesn't matter to me. He can just pick one. Levi knows his daddy. It don't matter. doesn't matter what chapter Levi picks. We will survey it, and we will come away from it with an appraisal of what God's intentions really are. And that's a, that's a beautiful thing, man. I mean, the time that we spend here... Um... It counters the time that we would be using to 
um, that we would uh, be ignoring God, I guess. Would, so I think that it's a good habit to jump into, to survey these, or to uh, analyze these uh, these words of the Lord, what he's trying to tell us, you know, so that we may have a, a sharpened sword, uh, which is the word of the Lord. Uh, Amen. Amen to that. That's, that's my hey. sword. I don't know what your sword is. I don't know what all the other people's sword is out there. Um, the, the fact that I have uh, hidden the word of the Lord in my heart, even though it may be a few verses or whatnot, and I didn't know exactly where it came from. I knew, I knew the words by the songs and kind of hit that in my heart and kind of, well, I was kind of raised up in the way that I should go, as you can tell. Well, Levi, let's end this with prayer. I think I'll pray and then we'll say our goodbyes, all, all right. right? Dear Heavenly Father, whom we serve through the Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, and Levi and mine's sacrifice, our Savior. I pray, Lord, that you might fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we might be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Dear Lord, I pray that you use this program to get people to not just look into Ezekiel 33, but Ezekiel altogether, as well as the, as the rest of the prophets and the gospels and the Hebrews and well, your word, Lord, and may your word burn brightly within them. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, Levi, say your goodbyes, and we'll get off here. Well, bye, guys. See you later. God bless. All right, ladies and gentlemen, until, all right, until next time, God bless. Godspeed.